Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Overtime. I'm sorry, Ben screamed in the microphone. Yeah, it probably was loud, so welcome to the podcast. Sorry, I'll try and tone it down. Um, this is our weekly episode where we basically uh, get to talk through the weekend service, anything that was kind of left on the cutting room floor. Uh, kind of have a lot to talk about today. Um, not very many questions, so we will always want to encourage you that if you have yep. questions please drop them off. You can write them on the back of your bulletin, drop them in the offering basket on your way out if you're here with us over a weekend, or you can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church, and we'd love to answer any questions. We really want you to help us kind of shape what this time looks like. So welcome to that. This is lucky number 13. Is this it? is episode oh, number that. 13. So 13 was always my number growing up because people were superstitious, and I thought it was silly. So I chose 13. So anyway. You'll show them. I was showing them as a 10-year-old. I was showing them so uh yeah a couple hashtag blessed life <laughs> hashtags didn't exist back then no. josh come on um well they did but they were called pound signs anyway so this week before we jump into this just want to do bring your attention to cow it's our weekly uh wednesday meeting it stands for connect on wednesday that's why we call it cow Pretty clever. Joyce actually thought of that, um, and she brought it up. So we just want to let you know that at 5.30, we have a meal. This is pretty much every Wednesday, unless we, we note that there's a special event or something going on that we had to cancel. Um, so every Wednesday, 5.30, there's a meal. About 6.15, there's classes that start. We've got a bunch of different off offerings from Celebrate Recovery, Engage. There's a study on the power of a praying wife, the gospel-centered parent. Uh, and then, as as usual, we have a New Testament class that's being taught by Pastor Jeff as well. So ton of different Offerings. We'd love for you guys to be a part of that. We kind of encourage that to be the next step. Maybe if you've come on a Sunday, maybe you're listening to the podcast, you're going, hey, what's next? We say come and get connected. So that's what we want to hope everyone does. We want to kind of encourage you to be a part Do of that. Do you know what's so, for dinner? At yes. I think it was ham, yes, string beans, and potatoes. That's right. And I always forget to look, but it's a big sign as you exit the sanctuary. That's right. Heading out towards Info Center. There's a sign up every week. I'll tell you what classes we have and what's for dinner. That yes. Coming Wednesday. So that'll be kind of your headquarters to be able to check that out. So, yeah, hopefully you can join us this week. If you do have questions about it, please let us know. Email us. Call the office. We'd be happy to answer any of that. So as we jump into episode number 13, um, wow, this was a weird week. <laughs> like, Here's some weird stories that are happening yeah, here disturbing very disturbing yeah, the, yeah. some details there that you're like ooh, ah uh, and at first glance i'll be honest i think that as i look at some of these stories i'm going what in the world could god possibly be teaching me through some of this and and i think we'll get the opportunity to talk through that but do you want to just kind of bring us up to speed about week two of this is my year Oh, yeah. So I'm um, working through the book of Judges. I frankly never uh, taught through the book of Judges. I've read it. I've always been a little mm, intrigued by it. And I think that's what I do like. I think it's important as you think about the Bible and learning the Bible is just bringing some curiosity. Yeah. It's okay to not understand things and to wrestle through them. And I hope you got to do that this weekend. So it's shared, I think, uh, with the final service, uh, the 1045. I basically said, you got three sermons. Yeah. You know, uh, two therapy sessions and a book, yeah. you know, all in an hour's worth of time. And so uh, if you hung in there uh, this weekend, pay attention, listen to the podcast, whatever it is, watch it online. Good job. It was a ton of material. Yeah. And if you haven't listened, I'd suggest you pause this, go back to that, and you can always come back to this because right. it'll probably help make more sense in, in, in that, uh, in that you know, uh, route or in that. Grand scheme. Uh, I was trying to look at the uh, – Sequence. Oh, That's okay. the word. Okay, Ooh, sequence. There, there we go. So, we got it. So basically, um, what we understand, 
beginning of a year, most people make uh, New Year's resolutions. Right. Uh, beginning of a new decade, we get to make New Year's and New Decade resolutions. Right. And this is actually pretty crazy because finally we get to a decade that we can point back to. Like, right. you know, like if you go to an 80s party, you know what you're wearing. They're now 90s party or a 70s party or a 60s party. And you even think about like the roaring 20s, like that, you know, right. that very significant, you know, uh, decade. 100 years ago that, you know, women got the right to vote, right. all sorts of crazy stuff. You got prohibition, you got, you know, the great Gatsby, all this great stuff. And so we are now back into that decade. And it's kind of nice because, I mean, I don't know, like in 20 years from now and we throw a party, we can't, we throw it for the teens? Yeah. <laughs> so do you not include a year 10, 11, or 12? Or then what do you do for the years before that? Yeah, I don't like know. The 2000s? That's a, that's a good question. The 2000s, but all of this is the 2000s. So anyway. All of that being said, we are now in a definable decade. Yeah. So we're in a definable decade. So let's define it and define it, and I'd argue, as uh, this is our decade, mm. right? This is our church's decade. This is our community's decade. This is our own personal decade. And so if that's the case, how do we make that happen? And I would just say the big question that I've been asking us to ask and, uh, is what do we think God thinks is possible right. Right. for us in this decade, right? What does God think is possible? And it'd uh, be a really good question to help shape things because it opens up our imagination to imagine the God of the impossible doing those things. And right. frankly, most of us are pretty suspicious, and we join a long lineage of people who are suspicious about God's goodness and his impossible nature, right? Yeah. And so we've been kind of studying the Israelites, post-God doing the impossible. He's done it a couple of times now. He did this 10 plagues, all impossible, that he made possible. Freed the Egyptians from, or the Israelites from slavery from the Egyptians and led them into a land of possibility. And they go, we got it from here. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. And then finally, this this warrior king, you know, the, Moses, the one you know about and think about as you think about, let my people go, the Ten right. Commandments. Right. Moses' apprentice, Joshua, leads them into this real big, beautiful promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and I would argue tons of possibilities. Right. And as long as Joshua was guiding them and leading them with their guardrails and their accountability partner, all that kind of stuff, Israelites did really well. But when Joshua dies, things go pretty bad. And right. the book of Judges is the story of uh, post-Joshua Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you see over and over again is the Israelites is going to this pattern that we continue to live in. We get all excited about possibilities, but then when we don't think they're possible anymore, we take the reins back. Uh, what what we call that in the scriptures is rebellion. The Israelites rebel, and as a result of their rebellion, God gets angry and goes, you want to do it your own way? Fine, do it your own way. As a result of God you know, removing his provision, removing his protection, removing his security, what uh, happens every single time for the Israelites, and what happens for us is um, it's painful. Yeah. It's just really painful. And so they feel deep pain. And like all of us, we don't like pain. And so they cry out to the only one they think can save them from their pain. And so they cry out to God. And God, every single time, sends a deliverer, a judge, right. a warrior right. deliverer who shows up and brings salvation. And basically every time says, follow me. They follow the judge. They are led to safety, led to a land of possibility. And then the cycle just continues. Right. And so last week was kind of really seeing that cycle. This week going, okay, if you're exhausted by that cycle, like if you're exhausted by, you know, beating yourself up and being destroyed and being in pain and being in sorrow and wondering if it is ever going to get any better, then, uh, then this is a really good series for you to be in because mm. we're looking at Israelites, but making some real um, good assertions for how our life could be different. And yeah. by the way, I think it is actually possible that God could do the impossible in our life. So right. Right. how do we do what's different than the Israelites? And so what we see in this, and this is why it gets so disturbing, is 
Um, the way by which these Israelites are freed is uh, through some pretty miraculous and broken events. I mean, there is death. Yeah. I mean, there is death. I mean, literally, you see kings and commanders get slaughtered. And in this right. case, one of them gets slaughtered by, you know, 24 inches of a sword and a belly. The other one through a, a, a tent stake through yeah. his head. And it's like, yeah, that's some pretty messy stuff. So when you read it at first glance, you go, well, yeah. what can we learn about At first this? glance, you're like, Ugh. And then this is that where it gets crazy because they're messy because a lot of people are like, see, God is a God of war and wrath and an eye for an eye. It's like, oh, uh-oh. Well, if, and then you can now explain why we do so many murderous things and why war is so rampant. And a lot of us will use the scriptures to say, see, this is why we can always do war because we've got to defeat our enemy. We've got to kill a king, whatever it is, like you see in the scriptures. But where we kind of ended up after looking at both the story of Deborah and Ehud, and maybe we'll spend a little bit more time on those, yeah. um, we end up really realizing throughout these scriptures that our enemy is not some other nation or some tyrant. What Jesus told us in yeah. the New Testament, what God tells us of, for us, what the gospel writers, biographers tell us is that Jesus came to save us. Like the judges came to save um, the Israelites. The problem with those judges is they all died. And when they died, there was no more direction. But Jesus, right. who does die, but comes back to life so we can always trust that he can guide us and right, save right. us. It actually clearly tells us what he came to save us from, which is our sins. Yeah. So we're the tyrant. Yeah. We're the enemy. What does that mean? Does that mean we have to die to ourselves? Well, Actually, what Jesus tells us that we're supposed to do is die to ourselves and take up our cross and follow him the way that he does it. And so this begins the process of uh, trying to identify how do we do that and uh, and how do we do that on a consistent basis, daily, weekly, monthly, and maybe break the cycle that we've been in that the Israelites yeah. are in. So that's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah. So is it safe to, like, so as I'm hearing you, I'm just kind of thinking through this. It sounds like it, it would be pretty safe assumption to be able to say that each of these judges was a foreshadowing of what Christ would do, like it, an incomplete picture of the the perfect nature, the complete nature that God or Jesus would bring by his death on the cross, right? Yeah. So what's really interesting is if you see this about all these mm, archetypes, you yeah. know, um, to get Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. When you see those, what you're actually seeing is a broken person, and Jesus is a good and perfect right. Abraham. Jesus is right. a good and perfect Jacob. Jesus is a good and perfect Moses. Jesus is a good and perfect Joshua. And Jesus is a good and perfect judge. So for all these guys and gals who are still broken and flawed, Jesus comes and does it perfectly. Right. So that they give us a glimpse, a right. small glimpse of what's to come. Like right. we all know that's like in a marriage, like or in any kind of family or relationship. You see these small glimmers mm. and glimpses of hope that you hang on to because it means it's possible. Right. But right. we know in our flawed nature and our brokenness that we can't sustain that, right? right? And so when you see this with the judges, you see possibility, but you yeah. go, I don't know that it's always possible. And with yeah. them, it wasn't. So it's just a small little you know, speck of hope and light out into the distance going, but there will one day yeah. come one who does that perfectly. So that, that's how you read the Old Testament. Yep, yeah. that, that, that's it. That's a picture of it, but it's just a small glimpse of what's to come. And that's kind of the point that you've made at least the last two weeks. I'm not sure if you're continuing on or not, but you you said it, and if you're not paying attention, I feel like it can feel out of place because you're going, if you feel like you can't do it on your own, you're right. Like yeah. if you can't change, you're correct. And that's exactly what you're even saying now is these judges weren't perfect, but there would come one, Jesus, who we see the end you know, now because we have the full picture of the, the, the gospel. And so we see that Jesus was the one that could do it. So even now, as I'm looking at changes, I'm looking at possibility, 
I may not be able to do it myself, but the fact remains that with God, and that's why I love the question, what do you think God thinks is possible? So that's what this entire series is kind of, you're framing out, you're looking at it uh, from that sense. And, and I think that's really good to to kind of think of it that way, because many times I find myself exactly in that cycle. And I feel like I've gotten so used to that cycle that sometimes I just don't even pay attention to it anymore. Like, well, this is life. and But the reality is, is that if I have... God is my Lord and Savior. Like if he has come into me, what can I do through his power and his ability that would change that cycle? Yeah. And so the thing is, is that's a lie. That's a lie that we label. This is just my life. Yeah. This is just how it's going to be. Yeah. It will never get any better. What's the point? Why yeah. put any more effort into it? Right. There's all these things that we believe. And the reason we believe it is so we've come to the conclusion that we can't change. Right. But just because we can't change doesn't mean God can't change us. Right. That's right. So, and the one thing we see over and over again with all of these kind of rescue stories in the book of Judges, the Israelites, all they did was wrong. Yeah. They, like all they could do was screw it up. Yeah. Except when they cried out for help. Right. The only, like the only positive uh, behavior that they do is they cry out for help. And right. then God does all the good stuff through sending and deliver. Right? right. And so there is a piece of this of going, yes, that thing, lean into it. Yeah. Feel it. Be frustrated by it. You cannot change. And it is painful. So you have right. one of two options. You can either just try to numb yourself with that pain, which, by the way, is what we do. Yeah. Or we can just identify that this pain is so great and that we cannot get out of it. And then that's where we cry out to Jesus. Yeah. And the reason we don't, I don't, is because I'm not so sure he's going to listen and respond. Hmm. Because I don't believe what God believes is possible is possible. Hmm. Yeah, so it's convicting. Yeah. Like I feel like I know it, but I don't know it because it's just this tension that we live in. So um, I was curious. So this is the second week that you've talked about it. It's going to be a reoccurring thing, just to kind of bring up that cycle again. You talked about there's a possibility, but then when we feel like that possibility is no longer, there's a rebellion. Um, then what happens is as we rebel against, you know, kind of taking, we take the reins, we do what we want. God gets angry. God gives us over kind of to what we've chosen to do. There's a pain in that. Um, there's a repentance and salvation, I guess. Uh, I feel like it's been two weeks, so I'm not sure if there is any more, but is there anything more in that cycle that that you're looking to talk through or explain? I, I don't know. I feel like it's, I, I don't know if you need to explain it all that much because I feel like I live it. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, we are a very individualistic yeah. society, which is a little bit dangerous because the Israelites they were communal. It right, was the, right. They saw themselves as part of a tribe and those kind of things. And yet, what I'm trying to say is, could you view this individualistically? And this mm. is where we go, oh, we got to view this more, you know, as an entire country. See, this is what's wrong with our country. This is what's wrong with our politics. And like, hey, no, no, no. When he says that he came to save us from our sins, this is really personal. This isn't. Yeah. This is personal. And this is personal responsibility. And we've, uh, we've given over territory in our soul and our heart to an enemy. Mm. And we have to take that territory back. You know, and you go, well, how do you do it? Well, you don't really have to do it. You have to invite God in right. to that territory, right? You have to open up the gates and invite him in every part of that. And so I think that's the thing that I go, but I really wish we would get that picture mm. of it, of that taking over the reins is basically putting up some kind of wall or block or barricade mm. in our life. And here's how I know we do it, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll find a place where life is really, really bad for us. Like we all have had it. Or we've had a situation that we're afraid of the consequences of. Yeah. Uh, your marriage going bad, you're losing your job, your kid's not getting healthy, you got a court date coming up, whatever it is. And in those days, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of fear about the, you know, what's coming up. Right. And so what do we do in those days? We crawl to God and we do something really interesting. We make all sorts of promises. Yeah. 
God, I'll never look at that again. Yeah. God, I will never say that again. I'll never talk to that person again. I'll never drink that again. Like right. all of us have these promises that we make to God. And I'm not telling you this because I've sat across the counseling thing. Right. I'm telling you, I'm not, I know you because I know me. Like I'm right. not, I'm not right. telling you something that I think's about you. I'm going, I'm just, I'm pretty aware of the, the, the cycle I go through. And so that really is what it looks like where we have made all these promises and we, we are wholeheartedly believing we're going to keep them when we make them yeah. until you get back to the life that you had and everything is nice and you're no right. longer afraid of the consequences or the pain. And then what do you do? The very things you promised you wouldn't do anymore are the very things you pick back up. Right. And then you're just back in the cycle. So it's like at some point we got to figure out why do we keep doing this cycle? Right. And it isn't just because you're a doofus. You know, like that's how I go, Josh, you're just a doofus. Like, and I get that, but it's, there's something greater in that. There's something driving us. And that's right. where I would say this was a really critical week to go. There is a lie that we believe that we got to wrestle with. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. can't wait to get to yeah. that part, yeah. part. I feel like we're probably going to spend the majority of the time talking about that. Um, well, as long as I quickly get to that. So uh, as we're looking at it, so we're looking at Judges 3 and 4. And so first we see uh, Ehud, I think. Yeah, Ehud. It's Ehud, and then we see Deborah. So, well, we see Othniel, Ehud, someone else, then Deborah, yeah. But, yeah, and yeah. even I had a question about that. Uh, uh, Shamgar? Like, yeah. Was he a judge, or is he just a footnote? No, because, he's a, he's the third judge, I think, shows up. Because that's in 331? I just, believe that's, so it's Othniel, or whatever it is, yeah. And then it's Shamgar, or then it's Ehud, then it's Shamgar, I believe. You have to look yeah. and see. Othniel was first. Yeah. That's, that's starting Caleb's, in, like, little... And, half brother and judges seven and then yep. we have ehud and then <laughs> i was going to get to that but uh shamgar is in verse 31 where it's yeah. literally a sentence about him after yeah. Ehud came shamgar son of uh anath who struck down 600 philistines with an ox goad uh he too saved israel yeah that, that's two it. sentences that's all one I got. verse so that's a tough one to preach yeah so, so that's so, where i kind of grabbed okay um no yeah candidly uh, I didn't get as far as I would have liked to have gotten last week. Okay. No, that wasn't like I didn't make it through my material. It was, this is so much material and I want to make sure we set it up well yeah. to understand the whole pattern. Okay. So where I wanted to explain the whole pattern, uh, children's ministry covered Ehud. Like, okay. Kids have covered okay. Ehud last week. And it's like, oh, we really got to talk about this. This has got to be complicated. And this week kind of was charting to talk about Deborah. And as I kind of sort of doing it, I was like, oh, I really need to make sure we understand both these stories. Yeah. They got a little complicated. I go, let me, let me share both of these to keep us on pace. Yeah. And kind of see the same thing where an enemy's taken out some kind of commander or king. Right. So it's kind of the same principle, but they're both really egregious, heinous acts. Yeah. You know, one goes tent stake through the, the, the skull, the other. You know, yeah. So And there was, and maybe this is just me and maybe a question that I'm starting to ask more. So there was almost a comparison, it felt like, between Ehud and then Deborah. Like the way that they, they handled... Um, kind of the problem, right? Like one of them, Deborah went to the military leader, like not saying that that was bad, or at least I don't think that's what you're saying. Um, but Ehud went directly to that enemy king, if you will. So so you get into that story and kind of all of the chaos, and it talks about uh, Ehud being left-handed, which you had said was a kind of a handicap. Can you explain that yeah, any so, further? Well, there's, there's two reasons to talk about an Ehud. Uh, even the language there... Uh, Probably implies that there's something wrong with his right hand, yeah. right? So, which would be nice for what we're doing because he would not be someone you'd expect. But right. even as you think about uh, culture, like even when you think about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, right? So throughout the Old Testament, just kind of, and even like through that, all the nation's culture, there was this understanding that the right side was the strong side, the right. left side is the weak right. side. So therefore, if you were right-handed, soldier you were considered a strong soldier and mighty left-handed 
okay. weaker. So weaker side, you laid on your left side, you recline on your left side, so you have the strength of your right hand. And so okay. because of that, it was really important to train your kiddos to have a strong right hand. Okay. So there was kind of this this like this kind of uh, you know filter that set people to get your strong hand side, yeah. strong side being your right side because that's just what it was seen as. Yeah. So you got that, and it gets even more complicated because you're gonna see a little bit not necessarily more complicated. You're gonna see this come up again because the Benjam the Benjamites or Benjaminites, depending on how you say that, um, they. They have an army of 700 left-handers that are about to come out. So okay. it's pretty funny. They go, they need <laughs> Which, you to know that. Uh, my name is Benjamin, and that yeah. means son of the right hand. That's exactly right. That's so pretty th- amazing. There's the irony <laughs> of the whole thing. So okay. the ben- that's exactly right. So son of the right hand, because this is the strong side. This yeah. is the one. And yet the 700 left-handers <laughs> are coming out. Yeah, you okay. would appreciate that more than many. So yeah, that's, like, I was that's actually funny. Going, Do I talk about all that? Ah, it's not worth it, but thanks for mentioning Well, I appreciate it. So yeah. That, yeah. that was fun for me. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it, too. So, yeah. As we're looking at that, so Ehud, so you'd kind of said like just now um, that most likely there's a handicap there. And so kind of not expecting it. He brings this, um, what's the word there? Basically, he brings his payment to the king so that the king wouldn't destroy Israel or whatever. Like a tribute is the word like this. Tribute. like a a gift of honor. Like it's it's more than just a payment. It's like your award. Right. Like this is like, you're such a great King. And so this guy and all of his arrogance would have been excited to receive it. Yeah. And so this King, and you mentioned this too, like, and he was a fat man. Like that's how it was written. Very fat. He was a very fat man. I feel like I need to pull that up just to, to prove that to everybody. Yes. Um, Sorry. We're looking. Leave us. Uh, it was 17. Uh, he presented the tribute to uh, Egon, Egon, e- Egon king, of king of Moab, who was very, who was a very fat man. Thanks, there. <laughs> Again, as you first look at it, it's like what? what yeah, is, Samuel's not woke. What you can't, is that's what body is this? You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Like, but you had talked about how obviously in a, in a, you've got this decadence that the king is most likely living in. That there's this. Um, you know, rich, there's this extreme kind of vast has whatever he wants, whatever he needs. And then you probably can look at the Israelites and go, they're not in that place. So to be fat was a sign of, of wealth and a sign of, um, I guess, uh, prosperity. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Was there anything more in that? I don't, I don't know if there is or not. I just think, I mean, no, I I think the reason that really calls him fat was because of, of the way he dies, Right. but it is kind of this, okay, here they are. They're puffing him up. This guy likes it. He probably has all the things in the world. And so you would know he's rich. You would know that he has his desires met. Yeah. And you also see that he's really interested in the secret. Yeah. That, so he's like, oh, yeah, someone's going to celebrate too. me. And now he's going to give me a secret. It just shows this guy who has all the stuff, but it's still not all the stuff. Yeah. So he's still interested. Like, oh, no, no, you got a secret? Like, I just thought that that was stupid. Like, hey, everybody leave. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hear this secret from my, my enemy. Can hear what you have to say. You know, none of that. Like, yeah. it just seems foolish. Like, do he didn't know any better? Like, I don't well, know. Like, and he was left-handed, crippled or whatever it is. Yeah, going, I guess. Ah, he doesn't look very tough. Yeah, I guess. But uh, anyway, I just thought that that was a pretty interesting um, point that you were pulling out. So, And then you get into the way that he dies and his bowels released and all of that. It's just kind of a crazy story. So if you haven't listened to the message and at this point you're just kind of wondering what in the world we're talking about, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Yeah. CLCfamily.church slash media. The way he dies stinks. <laughs> Pun intended. Sorry, I just ducked out of camera yeah. there for a second. I dropped my notes. So, um, so then kind of moving on. 
um, what we started to talk about, and then we talk about Deborah and the tent stake, like as we go into all of that and this army and they're pursuing this king and this king hides in this, this woman's tent and this Jail. apparently she is not the right Soldier's person wife. to hang Don't out with. Don't you mess with. with my man. You know, like I'm done with war. I am like, tired. But, Let me deal with it. Yeah. But she's, she's kind to him and then like covers him and then drives a stake <laughs> through his temple. Like, I mean, I can get that. I don't know if like, I mean, if I'm, if I, I couldn't do it because I couldn't handle it, but I would want to cover over their head for sure because I could not see the, the stake go into the temple. So maybe it's just like, oh, oh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> just, it's a terrible story. It's, it's a crazy yeah. story. Like, it's just full of twists and turns and, and just death. kind of yeah. like you're looking at it going, what? Uh, like, it's, it's almost hard to fathom um, all of that. But, and I felt like in that moment, but all three services, I felt like, I felt like a, a good bit of authority. I felt like everybody was waiting for me to resolve this yeah, a little bit. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what's going on here, but you're going to have to fix this for me. There was because... definitely tension. Like, I felt the tension of yeah. going, man, I need you to explain to me <laughs> why this is important. Because right now I'm just seeing death and carnage. Oh, it's horrible. Which, by the way, is what sin does. Yeah, that's so right. So when you think about this, uh, that sin is always leads to death. Yeah. It does. And it, and it affects every single person in yeah nuanced ways right so it while it's funny to laugh at when you think about this like these are real human beings right like real real people and they died horrible ways and thousands and thousands of years later we're still talking about it right these are real people in real pain so i don't want us to see this just as a it's easier to yeah this is a cute story of you know some kind of legend no these are real people that oppressed god's people and felt the pain and sorrow of that. And that's what I explained. I don't know what service it was. I think just the second or the first service on Sunday. And I'm just going, look, like I try to be godly. I try to. I'm not great at it. But I try to be. But you mess with one of my kids. Mm. And then you will you will feel my wrath. Right. Like I could not, like, I will cheat. I will use anything and everything. This right. will not be a fair fight. Because, like, those are my kids, right? Right, right. And so there is... There's a deep love and compassion God has for his people. Hmm. And there really is a consequence for smiting God for right. our whole life. And so it stinks and it's terrible to, to, to read. But at some point, we got to talk about wrath yeah. and anger because a God who has love, deep, compassionate love, is going to have to have wrath and anger. Right, right. He's going to have to. There's just no way to have that kind of passionate love for someone without having the flip side of that coin. Yeah. Now, luckily, he can do it in perfection and only in a way that's just and all those things. But it, it's a sad story. Yeah. So. It is. It's crazy. So yeah. uh, as uh, kind of looking through it, then uh, so after we, we kind of talked through that, you talked about this story. And I don't know if you want to maybe retell that story. Yeah, let me just tell it because it, um, it just always is good. Yeah. And like I even say, Carlos Whitaker writes a book, Kill the Spider. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say that. But it, <laughs> because it kind of ruins the punchline. Right. It does. It, it's still like. And yeah. then we even talked about it a little bit last week, this idea of, okay, what in the world's going on? And what we know is that they don't fight the fight like you typically fight. The infantry on the field, right. one by one, knocking them down. Whoever gets the most casualty wins, you know, that right. kind of deal. Right. In both instances, either it's through a, you know an intercessor, like intercessory way, or through the judge himself, they go directly to the source. Right. Directly to the ones giving the commands and causing all the right. damage. They go, well, what does that mean for us? Like, why does the judge go there and then leads his people to freedom? Okay, there must be something in that. And so, but when we think about Jesus, Jesus says the enemy is our sin. So, mm-hmm. oh gosh, does that mean God wants to kill us? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Is that where the enemy is? Is he coming right after me? And yeah. so, as a result of all that, that's where I was sharing that um, 
perhaps we can link to it at some point too because Carlos has done a couple different podcasts on it. And the okay. book. But Carlos Whitaker writes a book called Kill the Spider. And kind of his story, similar to my story, is he's just really good at the cycle. He's really good at cleaning up the cycle. He's really good at just doing the bad stuff, repenting, getting back to life, and just a still. In fact, he said that his counselor told him that he was really great at uh, wiping poop all over his blessings, just smearing it all over his blessings, and then cleaning it up over and over again. Okay. So through some series of unfortunate uh, events probably with causation. I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't say it was someone else's fault. He just realized that he needed to do deeper work than once a week counseling. And so his counselor recommended him go to a, you know, kind of an intensive multiple days of counseling. And Carlos does a much better type job. In fact, in his um, his podcast, it's like called Be Wild or Born Wild. The very first episode, he has his dad tell the story. So it's okay. pretty neat. But um, cool. so but anyway, so Carlos is about to pull up into the intensive place. He gets a call from his dad, also a pastor. Panama from Panama, uh, like a Hispanic descent, right? Uh, South American, I guess. And uh, um, is that Central? Central, or South? I think. Yeah, okay, so I'm okay. so Central American. Uh, so long story short, dad moves over to the U.S. decades ago, shines shoes at the L.A. airport, you mm. know that kind of deal. Goes to college, goes to seminary, becomes a pastor, mm. but would travel back and do kind of um, revivals, uh, you know, multiple okay. nights of, of church there. So he calls Carlos and says, hey, I know you're going. Do you have a few minutes? Carlos is like, I got a few minutes. And so he tells the story, and the story is this, that uh, during the revival, a lady comes down. I don't remember how many, what the sequence was, how many nights, came down after the service for prayer, talked to uh, Carlos's dad and said, would you pray that God would remove the spider webs from my head? And I hear that. I'm going, gosh, I got lots of spider webs in my head, yeah. right? And he prayed it, you know, blood of Jesus, Jesus, would you have your way? Would you enter? Would you clear the spider webs? Whatever. Next night she came back. And I don't know if she said, hey, some of them gone away. I don't remember exactly how the story plays out. But essentially says, there's still some spider webs. Would you pray it? Praise it again. I don't know if it's the third night. It changes fourth night. But eventually, on the last night of the revival, the lady comes again. And she's still saying, would you pray that these spider webs are gone? And he starts to pray and feels like God tells him, Holy Spirit tells him, not to pray to remove the spider webs, and instead pray that she kills the spider, right? right? Yeah. Which, when you hear that, it's like, yeah, of, of course. course, yeah, yeah, like, well, we spend a lot of time cleaning spider webs, yeah, we do, like, like literally cleaning spider webs, and the only way to stop the spider webs from being made is actually to kill the spider. And so yeah. I was thinking about that, and thinking about just how a spider spins a web, and thinking about the spinning of the cycle, and going, that's it, yeah, that's the issue. The issue isn't. We got to keep cleaning up our lives and clean up the mess and uh, avoiding the consequences and apologizing over and over again just to try to clean up the mess, right, right. which is so much of what I do. Yeah. Like repent, apologize, repent, and apologize. And what I'm trying to do is just clean up the mess that yeah. I've just spawned over and over again. And I'm guessing some of you are that way too. And it's just exhausting, right? Yeah. For the whole nation of Israel, it's exhausting. So you can't just clean up the spider webs, which is what they're doing. New judge would lead them and they wouldn't trust in the judge other than for their salvation for that moment. And they'd go right back to their ways. And by the way, it got worse and worse with every single generation. Right. So it's like, boy, do I feel that. I am 38 years old and I am just as messy and just as broken as I was when I was 20. Right. Maybe even more. Or at least I'm more aware of the pain <laughs> right. of it. And it's like, what changes that? And right. so that story just seems so significant. That's going okay. So the goal is you got to kill the spider. You got to kill the king. Yeah. You got to kill the one barking order. So I imagine and go. So 
how do you know who that person is? Like, so let's say for the soldiers, like if you were to pull one of the soldiers aside for one of the Ammonites, Canaanites, yeah. one of the ites, right? Uh, Hematites, whatever, right? Uh, and so, um, so that was supposed to be a joke. I think that's a type of rock, but anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. You're I just, laughing. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't, maybe I was I, like, yeah. I was thinking, I was like, I haven't heard yeah, of that Bible. Whatever. Uh, those people grew Whatever. Uh, so <laughs> if you were to call up one of those soldiers and go, why are you doing this? They'd go, my general told me to, or yeah. my, my lieutenant, my commander. Then you go to them going, why are you doing this? You know you're fighting God. Well, right. my, you know, my admiral told me to, whatever it is. You go to the admiral. Why are you doing it? Eventually it gets to the point where there is a commander-in-chief. Right. And all this trickle effect is happening because a commander-in-chief right. right. is actually barking the orders. You want to stop the orders, you go to the one barking them. Right. Right? And so when you think about that, it all makes sense to me when you look at the how they stopped these enemies. They, yeah. they took out the one who was telling them to do these things. Right? Yeah. And so that really makes sense to me because when Carlos goes, you got to kill the spider, then he clearly defines what a spider is. Okay. And he says a spider in our life says any lie that we have made an agreement with. That means someone has something, our psyche has told yeah. us a lie about ourselves. And we've gone, that's true. Yeah. We have chosen to believe and do believe a lie about ourselves. Yeah. So now, as a result of that lie, all these different things are happening. So the king is telling them to do murderous acts right. and those are the things that are coming down from that lie you told them that, that we've told ourselves that we believe about ourselves or believe about our world and then he defines the spider webs as um the stuff that we use to medicate ourselves from the pain of the lie yeah i wrote that down i think i yeah. got it word for word for yeah. what you said you well, said um yeah, I, I don't know that i got carlos as word for word but okay yeah, yeah. well any lie that we come into agreement with so the spider is anything that we come into agreement with any lie that we yeah. come into agreement with and webs are anything that we use to numb the spider mm -hmm. so i thought that that was really good and really what i think um what i'm hoping to do is just spend a good amount of time because yeah. you I, while you did spend a good amount of time on Sunday, I felt like it was something that we could probably slow down. And you, like you said, this was two messages, uh, or what I'd was say it? three like, messages. Three you messages. Got, like you got Ehud, you got Deborah, yeah. and you got this whole understanding of the lies that Satan does. Yeah. Then you got a couple therapy sessions in there because right. a lot of that work is a lot of the work, and that's why I would recommend counseling. Is a lot of that work is identifying the lies. And what yeah. Carlos says in his book is therapy is a great way to identify, corner locate okay. the lie the spider but it's okay. not the place to kill it mm, okay. like he and i agree with him here there is something about the resurrection power that jesus offers us that yeah. has to that has to speak the death into mm, this thing that's good but we got to identify what it is that's good because there's so much stuff that we do and so i think yeah. that's why i shared those two questions or the question and kind of the, the statement of how do you start to identify those uh, yeah. spiders and i kind of showed you even then with thinking about the commander yeah. Okay. Why are you doing this? Right. Oh, because why are you doing this? Like, so there is. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta do the hard work. And I would say yeah. a whiteboard, a piece of paper, a computer. This isn't just something you just sit in your head and spin. I right. would say, I would recommend all of you. I would recommend that you pause long enough. I have whiteboards every place I go. I have them in the studio. I have them in my office. I have them in the study at my house because I just think that way, right? And yeah. so. I'm not great at killing spiders, so don't. But I, but there is something about trying to figure out the why. Yeah. So, so there's all sorts of things. So like I mentioned, okay, people that drink to an excess or drink, uh, got to figure it out. I'm not judging drinking. I'm not, uh, this isn't a biblical argument on those things. It's, it's like when you go to pour an additional drink, right. when you go to pour more, there's a question you're going to ask, but you don't want to ask it then. You don't want to ask it then at all. So you got to almost pause the next time you're 
sober-minded. Then you ask the question. After typically, sorry about that, the next day, the next time you got some alone time when you're feeling all down and devastated and you're making the promises you'll never do that again, instead of making that promise, right. instead go, why did I do that? Right, right. Well, why did I want to drink? Why did I want to look at that computer? Why right. did I want to talk to that person? Why did I want to go to my ex's Facebook page? Like, right. Why? And deep down, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I can't answer, but somewhere in there, the next step is somewhere usually has to do with relief yeah. or escape. Relief or escape, right? So yeah. a lot of us do it because, man, we just need to relax. Like for me, it's I want my mind just to shut down. <laughs> I just don't want to think for just a little while. I just wanted to, you know what I'm saying? Like just, yeah. just want to be able to relax for a second, right? And I was like, so much spinning, so much stuff. And so the lie that I believed is I don't always have anxiety, but I got a lot of other lies in there. So you got to go, why? And then it goes, well, because I want to relax. And then or maybe it's, why did you need to buy that on Amazon today? Hmm. And you go, I, because it got me excited. Right. Well, what did it get you excited about? Oh, opening that thing. Like, right. What is it about? Why do you get excited about opening the box? Right. Because I get to use that thing. And it's like, oh, like, is it about some hope you're going to find in that thing? Yeah. And what, why do you want the new thing? Why, why, do you, why do you think it gives you hope? Right, right. And somewhere in there, there's this belief somewhere that what you are looking for isn't found in who you are. Yeah. It's got to be found in something external. So it, I believe I only find joy in external things. Mm. Well, that's got to be exhausting then. Because yeah. if that's your life, then you are always looking for something out there to fill in here. Right. Right. And so we gotta, got we got to dispel that lie. You will not find joy and hope in anything that, that this world's created. Right. That's a lie. Yeah. That spouse, that kid, that job. And so, okay, then you have to come to one of two conclusions. Either there is no hope to be found. Or we have to go, well, I believe there's no hope to be found. And if you, that's the lie that you've come into agreement with, then it makes sense you medicate and numb yourself from all the pain and sorrow of this world. Or perhaps that is a lie. And once yeah. you identify it, you can replace it with something that's true, which yeah. is there is hope and possibility, but it's yeah. only found in Jesus. Right, right. Right, so, I mean, just a, that's that question of we got to ask why, and I would just say – and until you get to at least the fourth reiteration of that question, I don't yeah. think you've gotten there yet. Yeah. Like yeah. four, five, six, that's probably somewhere there, maybe three. But you're asking three or four questions of why yeah. before I think you're getting to something that you're telling yourself is a lie. So those three, just to kind of yeah. recap again, so it was identify the spider, oh, yeah. confess, um, and then replace it. And there's kind of sub points yeah. we're going to spend more time yeah, so, talking about that identity part. So the identify first, which is why. But yeah. the other thing, which is really neat, and this is the gift that we have, is – uh, uh, you bring light into it, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of finding a spider is you're shining light and you yeah. see it. You don't see it in the darkness. That's why you walk into it in the woods. Right. But you see it in the light. And so this is where it takes just a big, big set of courage. I'm not talking about liquid courage. I'm talking about like like real courage to go, yeah. God, I'm about to just shine a light into all this. Yeah. And that's another thing that you have to dispel is a lie. Yeah. He is trustworthy and safe. Yeah. Like, he's not coming at you to cause you more pain. Like, he's not wanting you to identify it so he can go, see, Neil, that's why you deserve this. Right. Like, it's not that at all. He actually wants us to have freedom in it. And so when we think about it, and that's what John writes about in First John, it's that he is a light. There is no darkness in him. So the only thing he brings to us is light. And he actually says that if you want that kind of fellowship, if you want that joy to be complete, you have to invite that in. And the way that yeah. he says you invite it in, that light is to confess. Right. And God is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So it is important. So the first step is identify. Yeah. And that's two-thirds of the battle, right? Yeah. And, you know. and, and I do want to kind of jump in. Like one, yeah. one of the things that I thought of as you were talking about it is that um, kind of the picture of a two-year-old. Like two-year-old is the why. 
stage of life, right? Yeah. There's a question to everything. Why, why, why? Yeah. Like, and it's it's annoying, but at the same time, that two-year-old has a tenacity to continue to ask those questions. Yeah. And I almost felt like in my own faith, I'm like, man, that's what I almost need to look like of going, why do I do this? And then have the courage to be able to answer that right. honestly. So yeah. it's not just, you know, I think <laughs> two-year-olds don't, it's not about having courage then. It's yeah. just, they're, they're curious. curious. Yeah. So, so when we think part of being an adult, I guess, is that we have the answers and don't yeah. need to keep asking the questions. And it's like, <laughs> there is something about curiosity that yeah. saves families and marriages, helps us understand the Bible. Yeah. And like, we have to become a student of this. And right. this is going to be something that we have to do over and over and over again. And I'm not saying you have to do it with your spouse. It's not your job to ask them the why. Hmm. Not but even with your kids, maybe hmm. to help them start figuring this out. But this has to be a place that you feel really, really safe. Yeah. Like, because if you don't feel safe, like even if I were to write it on the board, I'm not writing on board that I'm leaving up, right? I just want right. to feel really safe because this cannot be someone else's uh, weapon or tool yeah. later. Right. This has to be, I really want some freedom in this. Right. So, yeah. And I do think, so this is something that I feel like you and I talked about. Like there takes, there takes uh, energy to be able to ask that question, to really be able to spend some time to pause, to reflect, and to be honest with yourself. Like, it's not something that just happens. Like, at least for me, I don't think that it is. Um, I think that I'm similar to you in the sense that I, I find that I have a lot of energy to be able yeah. to do that. So I find that I'm inquisitive of myself. But the reality is that if you're in these, you know, first positions where you're trying to identify the, the spiders, the things that are off, like it's going to take effort. It's going to take a little bit of emotional energy and expelling that energy to be able to figure out why some of those spiders exist. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just something that we had talked about a few weeks ago about the energy that it takes to kind of work through that. So it, was there anything there that you would share? Or yeah, I think that? That, I think there's a couple of things. This is going to be this is a dangerous sermon yeah. and material. Because, again, what Jesus says is he came to save us from our sins, meaning he came to save you from your sins. He came mm -hmm. to save me from my sins. This message isn't for you to send to your spouse to go, right. this is right. going to fix you. Yeah, that's right. Right? And that's the danger of this because the only way this works is in pure openness. Yeah, right? That's right. And courage and, uh, and a freedom to go, if God is coming to my life to find root issues, it's not to condemn me. Right. So there has to be the safety in that. So. Just by nature, if you're going, oh, I really need somebody else to listen to the sermon. <laughs> yeah. Just sending them that link and saying that may yeah. actually shut them down a bit going. That's right. Okay. Now they're, what, what you're actually doing is you're, you're actually um, enhancing and highlighting the lies they already believe, which mm. is they're not good enough the way they are. They can't be mm. accepted the way they are. They're always going to be broken and they can't, they will never be fixed unless someone else, spouse, parent fixes them. Which is a lie that both you believe that it's your responsibility to fix them, and a lot of they believe that they can't get there with with just Jesus's help. So right. that's one of the things that's really dangerous. Go. This is where I'd say, hey, this is a this is a message, a gift for each of us, for yeah. each of us. Now, if you want to seek out help, great, because that's you giving permission to, for someone else to speak in your life. This isn't a place that you just take it somewhere. Yeah, that's you know? right. And so I think there's that. And the other thing I'd say is, yeah, I, I think a lot. I, I like to think. I enjoy thinking. Like, I think if you could put me in solitary confinement with a whiteboard and I could live just fine for a while. Like yeah. I just like to think, I like to uh, connect dots and I'm really curious to all those things. So I like those things, but that is, I think I'm learning is not normal. Hmm. A lot of me I'm learning is not normal on that, but, but it's okay if you don't get there in all one setting. Right. It's like, That's right. I'm going, okay, well, why do you do this? Why well, did this? Not do this. I've done a lot of work here and a lot yeah. of time. So if you just answer one of those questions today and yeah. go, okay, that's enough. Out I, of those four the levels reason of I why, bought yeah. that was because I thought it would bring me joy. Yeah. Okay. Then after you open it, then ask the question of why again, you know, like, right. 
If this takes you a month right. to find one of these spiders, that's, right. that's great. At least you're moving the right direction, and eventually you're going to get all those cobwebs yeah. or spider webs cleaned out. So this isn't – you don't have to do it in the, the hurry that I talk in. Right? Yeah. So it's like it's you, not four questions that are necessarily all right then, like and yeah. you've got it all figured out, and in two minutes you've figured out what your spider is. Like yeah. I, I don't think that anybody really – does yeah. that like i mean it just usually it's even pondering that question at least for me it's pondering that same question well why do i do that and if if i do get a level further it's like well is there anything else is it, and i've got to be honest with myself so yeah. I, I just thought that that was something that was maybe important for people yeah. to understand and recognize that as you are trying to identify those spiders and you're seeing the cobwebs you're going okay what are the spiders that you go okay this is a process yeah. this isn't something that just happens overnight but it's something that if I can continue to work through it, continue to be honest with myself, that eventually you'll find yourself to the conclusion of going, oh, I guess this is probably the kind of the real reason. And, um, yeah. and that's another reason I'd like to highlight the idea of pain as yeah. a gift. That's the question we should start asking, not yeah. just whatever your next impulse is. Like, okay, I bought that. I drank that. Oh, why did I do that? Like, right, that, like right. you don't have to figure out every motivation all the time. Right. I just would start with the things where you feel pain. Right. Like you wake up the next day in pain. And you're going, why did I do that last night? Yeah. If you said something really horrific to your spouse and you go, man, I hate that I did that. Why did I say those words? Like, so I would start with that area of pain in your life because we see with the Israelites that, that that pain shows up as an indicator that something is off. So pain is yeah. going to be the thing. Maybe it's in your relationship when you feel disconnected or when you feel alone or one of the big anxieties you have about what's going on with your kids at college. Whatever that is, that's where I would start because I yeah. think that's what God is kind of putting the light bulb on. Oh, got some pain. Right. That means I'm right. going to let you feel this because I want you to get some clarity and freedom from it. Right. Uh, so the second part of that was to confess it yeah. and we were looking at first john 1 9 specifically yeah. and even before that like it was more than first john just nine it was yeah. it was first john yeah. the first nine verses yeah the so. whole thing the yeah. first letter he writes to the like his little church going i want them to get this i want them to get that jesus was yeah. real and he really does bring this so right. how do you get that from him as this you know spider slayer right so if we confess our sins mm -hmm. he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness like that's that's kind of what we're working towards. It's yeah. pretty awesome. And one of the points that you made, um, and I'm not sure, I think I might have put it in the wrong spot or maybe, I mean, you talked about shining light under the identify it, but yeah. also under that second part, you got to admit it and reject it. Like those yeah. are really good points. But also one of the things that as you were talking about it, shining light, like that exposure, not that you're going to show all of your deepest, darkest, darkest secrets, but at least for me, when, specifically when it comes to sin, when I confess that, when I'm honest to God, but I'm also honest with the people that I've hurt or I've wronged, that exposure to sin, like the, that exposure, shining a light going, okay, God, this is where I've messed up. Man, that impacts me on a level that almost nothing else can. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, some of it is the embarrassment of just even the fact that I have to go to somebody and say, dude, I'm sorry I did this. Yeah. And it, there's an embarrassment there, but that exposure um, and that confession is huge. Like I just, as you were talking, I felt like I just started to reflect on the times where I've confessed yeah. and I felt the forgiveness and it's been good. And that exposure, I think is such a critical piece yeah. of that confession that you... Um, you admit it and you reject it. You turn from it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, was, I really wrestled with this part of the talk a whole bunch. Um, because there's another passage that says, Confess your sins to God that you might find forgiveness. And mm -hmm. he'll cleanse it from all unrighteousness. So there is some healing in that. 
But in James, it says, confess your sins one to another right. that you might find healing. That's right. So I do believe some of what we're struggling with in finding healing is never confessing to one, each other. No, yeah. here's the problem with that. This is why I couldn't go there this week. I, once time. But two, this right here is um, prescriptive, right? These are if-then statements. Right. If right. you do this, this is what God will do. Not just descriptive, not just, hey, here's something that happens, something we can learn from. Like, Obviously, the book of Judges is more descriptive. Right. We're not going, go kill the king, right? <laughs> so, But prescriptive here is if you do this, then God will do this. So if I would have highlighted the one to another, some people would have gone, I got to do that. Yeah. So then you're going to go to the person you hurt, right? I'm so sorry I did X, Y, or Z. And depending on where they are, right, they might not be in a place where they could lash yeah. out at you in that moment. And what would happen is it would just affirm the other lie that you already believe, right. which is you're not good enough to be close to each other, right. close to another person. Like some of you feel like you'll never be accepted, right? Like or never have an intimate friendship. Like some of you really believe that you're lying, that I'm in this camp, that I am only as good as my last performance, like that's just I'm only yeah. as my last performance. Like that is a lie. So as I'm, I gotta deal with that lie first before I can really yeah, confess it. Because right. then I go and tell that person. They go, "Yep, your last performance was bad. That's right. Stay away from yeah. me. Door gets shut. That's good. You get shut down." And so while I think it is a huge, huge responsibility. By the way, Carlos Whitaker talks about this, not in this "Kill the Spider" concept, but he talks about. Uh, I won't go into. I won't explain to you what happened in his marriage. Not my story. But they got separated for a while. And he believes wholeheartedly if he just would have gone right to her and started confessing all that stuff right there, it would have just shut her down in that moment. He knew mm. that what he needed to do first was really deal with those lies. Okay. So, yes, I do think there's a time and a place. And even right. when you look at right. celebrate recovery, it's one of the steps where you make amends to those you've hurt. But not until, I don't think, anyway, yeah. until you really deal with the lie it's that you a believe. Separate, separate step, yeah. right? So, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of us want to, we all want to ball it all up right. and get it all right. done. I do anyway. I want the whole band aid to get ripped off. But right. the problem is we keep going back in that cycle because yeah. we haven't really dealt with that spider. We're just dealing with the webs, right? Yeah, and right. so the spider tells me I'll never be loved or I'll always be alone. When I go and confess and that person doesn't receive it in the way that I need them to in that moment, it just yeah. it just spins more webs. Right. And so I think that's, that's the, good. I wish I could have, I'm glad we get this. This is a, a good yeah. place for that because wholeheartedly agree. There it comes a healing. That's why counseling is important. That's why I think small groups are important. I think safe places where you can just be who you are. I think that's yeah. why pastoral staff, like I think all those things are really, really critical parts of this. Yeah. But I do think ultimately there, God desires real restoration and reconciliation. Yeah. But that is an additional step at yeah. a time of when you've been cleansed from all unrighteousness. Yeah. When you know that you still stand right before God and he loves you and sees you, all of you and loves you that way. So therefore, your your response to the other person is for restoration and reconciliation, right. not so that you can get, gain your value back. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. So again, going back to the process, like yeah. this is not something like, again, we're putting it in a pretty little package and yeah. going, here's what you do, but it's not, it's a, it's a slow process. It's years. It's decades even could be like, depending on, you know, the severity of that, that hurt. And even you've talked about it before, like, um, you know, you've been hurt by somebody in certain, certain circumstances, you're going, well, I may forgive you, but I'm not going to put myself in that position again. Like yeah. that's just not what's going to happen. Like that trust was broken and therefore yeah. that trust is not going to return because the severity of the situation. So yeah. all of this, I think, is a process. That's exactly right. It's that. dealing with what is true versus what's not true. And yeah. that's why I like this second piece of confession, which is can we admit that we believe something that's not true and therefore our behavior was something. So yeah. we, we really deal with the behavior piece a lot. I did this. I said this. I looked at that. I drank that. I ate that. I yeah. took that. But those are all the behaviors. Those are all symptoms of a deeper confession, in my right, opinion. Right. So we're, we're, we're confessing the behaviors, but we have to go further and confess the lie. Yeah. We have to admit, 
I have to admit that I believe that my performance is what makes me valuable. Right. I have to admit that, which is a direct um, disrespect to what Jesus does on the cross. Yeah. The God of the universe paid my value because the value is what someone's willing to pay for you yeah. on a cross. And I believe that my value comes from someone else's opinion. So I have to admit that I believe that. Like I, There is a lie that I think I'm as valuable as my last performance. Yeah. And then I also have to reject that. God, yeah. I am confessing that I believe that. And I'm also confessing that I I have discovered that that is not true. Yeah. So we have to we have to confess it, the lie, right? The whole piece of this. We have to confess that we believed a lie, committed to a lie, gave our heart and our allegiance to a lie, yeah. right? And then we have to reject it and go, but that is an idol that has failed me, mm. right? And so we have to we have to do both sides of it. We have to admit it. And then we have to reject it. Like you can't just do one because you don't keep saying it over and over again until yeah. you actually reject it. As, this is not something that's good. And I'm talking about literally put words on it. Out loud if you can yeah. on a piece of paper if, if that's helpful or actually say it. God, I confess that my behavior as a result of yeah. believing that this would make me feel valuable, believing that this would make me feel loved, believing that this would give me intimacy, yeah. give, believing that this would give me acceptance. And I reject those things because – they have not given me those things. They've actually left me wanting. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. I just looked at my watch. We've got about five minutes. I feel like time flew today. Uh, so identify, confess, and then the third thing was replace. It. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing, and we know this. Uh, we know this all sorts of things. Like, if you don't want to look at something on the computer, you don't just clear your screen and just stare at the computer, right? Or yeah. if, like if you're watching something on TV, you shouldn't. I feel like I'm talking to a different generation in terms of that. You don't just. You, the best thing to do is not just cut it off and go, I can't do this. It's actually right. change the channel. Go right. watch Sports Center, right? right? Get up, go do some exercise. You actually replace your behavior with a different behavior. And so there's something in this. So if there's a lie that you believe, then it would make sense. It's coming from a place that of longing. Yeah. So what's the truth of that longing? I so long to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, God accepts me. Yeah. Right? So that lie comes from a longing. I so want intimacy, right? Yeah. And God is available to that. Yeah. Like, He literally is bringing His Spirit to invade my life. The truth is, He wants to be close to me. Yeah. And He proved it by stepping out of a beautiful, beautiful heaven into yeah. this planet and doing, like, living a, a pretty broken, hard life. Yeah. Imperfection, right? And so you got to actually replace it. And, and the way you replace it, God's word, really, really important there. And like yeah. the truth of God's love is throughout these scriptures, out these scriptures. Every single one of these going, what has God shown you about his son? And what yeah. does that mean about me? Right? That means he longs for me as his child, right? Yeah. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done any of the miracles yet. <laughs> it's just about sonship yeah. there, right? And so, yeah. so this is understand that's truth. And the truth of the God's word all points to Jesus' love. Right. So this is it's like um it's like a menu pointing to the dinner. You don't just go, what a beautiful menu. That was a good meal. You <laughs> eat the dinner and make the declaration, right? Yeah. And so you have to consume that and receive mm. Jesus' love. So you got to do that. And here's the thing that I think that's really easy for us Presbyterians to miss, like the frozen chosen and all this. Like we like our pragmatic. We like our formulas. We like to understand it. Like The same God who conquered the grave mm-hmm. invites himself into our lives right. to, to dwell in us. Right. Like the Holy Spirit to be with us is with right. us, and He is speaking, and He is calling, and He is challenging, and we are just not paying attention to that stuff. Mm. We're going, no, that can't be on 
what if it is him? What if that's actually possible? Yeah. So as we get work the next couple of weeks, we're going to see God continue to call people out in some pretty impressive yeah. ways, and we'll see some mess in it as well. But the beauty of it is God's word is given to us. His love is displayed for all to see on yeah. the cross. And then that Jesus even says he's going to be with the Father so that he can intercede on our behalf to be an advocate. Right. So we get two advocates. We get right. the advocate who talks to God on behalf of us. Yeah. That's Jesus. No, no, you got to forgive him, right? That's the one advocate. But the Holy Spirit is also an advocate. Right. And the Holy Spirit is, talks to us on behalf of God. Mm. So Jesus talks to God on behalf of us. No, no, Jesus, God, I paid for that. Right. And then the Holy Spirit talks to us on behalf of God. So, right. like, he wants to speak to us. Right. And so we just got to pause long enough to listen. And so you really want some freedom and relief. That's actually going, let's get in God's word. Yeah. Let's be reminded of God's truth of his love through Jesus. And then let's invite that spirit to actually guide us and direct right. us and say, what if right. that's actually possible? Yeah. yeah. So that's good. So we're kind of running out of time here. Got a couple minutes left. Uh, was there anything else that was either left out or couldn't, didn't get a chance to get to? Um, it's, it feels a little bit funny. We spent about an hour or so talking about it. And then I yeah. end up yeah. asking if there was anything else, but it just as a, as a final, I don't know. Thought. Yeah. So, Here's the lie that we really believe, the one that we really got to deal with and what I hope we deal with the next three weeks and why this sermon series matters so much to me. The, at, at the core level of all the lies, here's what it is. It's that we do not believe what God believes is possible as possible. Mm. We do not believe what God believes is possible as possible. Yeah. So, like, that's the question I want to challenge you with. God, mm. is it possible that you could do the impossible in my life? And if mm. so, it's got to start with him shining his light on it on the lies. And so I just would challenge you right now, wherever you are, just to pause and go, okay, God, what is the lie that I've come into agreement with? Yeah. Would you show that to me? Yeah. So you can do all the hard work. You can do all the stuff. You can ask the why. You can write down the stuff. All really, really functional and helpful. But if the God of the impossible is available, perhaps he could He could just go four or five layers down and go, here's <laughs> what you believe. Yeah. And so I just would ask him. I said, let's lean into this God of the impossible to yeah. do the possible. Uh, the God of the impossible to do the impossible this year yeah. so that that's what i challenge you this week that's and get good. back here this sunday saturday it hasn't resolved yet yeah so it's a process so yeah. it'd be worth the time to get back and learn about gideon this week yeah gideon is uh one of my favorite judges Re- really love to read that story but uh yeah he's also a good seamstress <laughs> so anyway thank you so much for joining us uh on week or episode 13 of our Overtime Podcast. Uh, again, if you have any questions that you want to ask us during the show, uh, we'll get to those next week. You can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. If you're looking to contact us for anything, you can email us again at overtime at, CLC, um, at clcfamily.church. Um, thank you if you're listening to us live or if you're listening to us via podcast. We appreciate uh, the subscription or listening to us and just kind of making it part of your cadence. Um, but yeah, we're one last thing I'll say, and then I'll wrap it up here. Um, well, I told you probably not really good to say, Hey, you should listen to this. Like in terms of a sermon, like especially this one can land yeah. pretty awkwardly. If you got some people in your life that you really want mm. them to know how much God loves them, I would say this week, even though it's week three, this week, this week, you're going to see the God of the universe call out real potential and people who didn't mm. really have any, in, in worldly sense, any kind of potential. And yeah. so you really want people to see what's possible in their lives. This is the week. Do whatever you got to do to get them here on Saturday or Sunday. That would be a good way to help them walk in life and faith, not send them a link, tell them that if they did this, they'll, they'll get fixed. Yeah. Okay. That's great. it. Love you guys. Have a great week.